Welcome to Round Trip Death. Before we get into today's interview, I would just like to extend a huge thank you to all of our listeners around the world. In fact, we have downloads and streams on every continent and in over 70 countries now. Thank you, thank you. As you're listening today, you will likely have the name of a loved one, friend, or family member come to mind. Consider sharing this episode with that person. You may not know why they need it, but just go with it. This may be important for them right now. Now, let's hear from today's guest. We're really happy to have Vicki on the line with us today. Good morning, Vicki. Good morning, Eric. How are you? I'm great. How are you? Wonderful. Having a great day. I want to let our listeners know we are especially grateful for people that are willing to come on the show that haven't shared their experience before. I know it's hard and it's a little bit scary and it can be personal and hopefully you can just relax. Our our listeners don't judge people. We just like to hear people's experiences and see what we can learn from them. So thanks again for being on today, Vicki. Thank you for having me, Eric. Is there anything that we're going to leave you anonymous today and not use your last name? And I completely understand. But is there anything that you want to tell our listeners about you so they can get to know you a little bit? Sure. I am a real estate agent. I live in Florida. I am a mom of twins, boy and girl twins, married, pretty active in my community. I have, over the years, now more recently, developed more of a spiritual life since my experience. And um, I think I'm kind of at that point now where I'm ready to speak about everything that I've experienced and how it's transformed my life and how we can benefit others, how I can benefit others by sharing my story. And you're a fellow introvert, is that correct? Introverted. I do not feel comfortable with this kind of stuff, so I'm going to do my best. So bear with me. I thank everybody. So this is all new to me. Okay, well, let's jump right into it. Let's go back to when you were younger, about the age of seven, you had an interesting experience. And, and, and by the way, just a kind of a reminder for our listeners, there are all kinds of, quote, near-death experiences. Um, some, some do not involve death, but they involve out-of-body and other spiritually transformative experiences. So, yes, let's start chronologically. Tell us when you were, what happened to you when you were a child, and then we'll speed up to your, what happened to you re- more recently. All right. So when I was seven years old, I was visiting a McDonald's with my family, my mother, my father, and my brother. And as we did, we stopped to have some ice cream. And I remember taking my ice cream and running outside to the play area where there was this sort of tower that looked like a hamburger. And I ran inside and I crawled up to it and I sat inside there to eat my ice cream. And as I was eating my ice cream, I don't know how many licks I was into it, but I remember just, I must have had brain freeze or something happened to me and I passed out. All I remember is that I left my body and I could, I was floating up above my body and I could see down and I could see my body, even though it was inside the hamburger. And 
I thought at that moment, I didn't know what was happening, obviously, but I thought being a seven-year-old, not being on earth that long, I said, oh, this must be something that happens to us, and I'm just not aware of it. So I remember thinking to myself, I need to go get my parents to come out and look for me or to come get me. I don't know why I had those thoughts. For whatever reason, that's what crossed my mind. So I floated, as I had that thought, I floated over to, my parents were inside the restaurant with my brother, and I floated over above the restaurant, and I could look down into the restaurant, and I could see my mom and my dad and my brother exactly where they were sitting, and I hear my mother asking my brother, where is Vicky? And my brother telling my mother, she's outside in the play area. So me hearing that, I had the thought next to go back to my body because they're going to come looking for me. I thought, oh, she's going to come looking for me. So I better go back to my body. So I float back to my body. And as I'm back at my body, I kind of to my left, although you can kind of see everything over here to my left, I saw two women. They were in white gowns and I remember looking at them and they were looking at me and they were talking, but they weren't talking to me. They were talking about me. And one was an older one and one was a younger one. And they were up where I was at height wise. As soon as I had that thought, and, or excuse me, as soon as I acknowledged that and they looked at me, I immediately was back in my body. And what I sensed was the ice cream, because I had dropped the ice cream and it started to melt on my arm. And that kind of brought me back, I think. When I woke up or when I came back to, there was a, a little boy in front of me with his mouth just wide open. God knows what he witnessed, but it was just like, you know, his mouth was just wide open. So I grabbed what was left of my ice cream and I went inside to my parents and I told my mom what happened. And she just looked at me like, what is going on with this child? Right. My poor, crazy little child. <laughs> Before you go on, can I ask you about the two women that you saw? Yeah. Did you recognize them? Did you hear them say anything? What? Any more detail there? Yes, I'm sorry. I didn't hear anything they were saying, but I could tell they were talking about me. From what I felt, I'm a feeler, <laughs> I felt like they were angels, but one was like an older one and one was younger. So maybe one was more in training. I don't know how to describe it, but that's how it, and again, I'm seven years old. So my interpretation of, of what I experienced or witnessed. Right. I've got to say, I'm trying not to giggle just a little bit here because we hear all kinds of experiences with people drowning and being hit by trains and all kinds of things here. I've never heard of somebody leaving their body while they were in a hamburger. I have to tell you one, another reason why I don't really tell a story. <laughs> anyway, congratulations on that one. And I don't mean to make light of it. Please continue. So anyway, I never really mentioned that to anybody other than my mother. And she didn't really seem to, I guess I was what I was looking for from her was some sort of acknowledgement that this type of thing happens. And I didn't get that. So I never really discussed it with anybody before. But as I was getting older in life, you know, I think probably around the age of 12 or 13 or whatever, as you do, you start looking into things. And that thought crossed my mind about, it's always been in the back of my head about what happened to me, but I never really researched anything. Of course, the internet wasn't around back then. 
I started looking at, I think I started looking into Buddhism and just different types of anything other than what I grew up in, which was Greek Orthodox Christian, which didn't talk about anything like this happening. I think, though, even though it was in the back of my mind my whole life, it really affected my perspective and my perception of my life and the world going forward. Because I never really bought into the narrative of what religion teaches us. And I always had this question as to what is this? Like, I've never had an explanation of what this other part is. Did you feel like you had any gifts or anything that made you kind of different than the other kids growing up? I always felt different. I never fit in. I still don't fit in. I felt like I just wasn't normal. There was something about me that wasn't like everybody else. I didn't know what it was. I definitely didn't see the world the same way as most people. As an adult now, I've even considered maybe I have Asperger's. There's something there that's different the way and that experience definitely made me always question everything it made me question everything I was told and told to believe whether it's in school or in church or whatever all right let's fast forward to when you're an adult what happened to you so as I mentioned I'm married I have twins and um, I had to go through um, a process to to um, get pregnant and that was a that was a journey of itself, and that's very taxing on your body. It's very stressful. I was advanced age. I was 38 years old when I got pregnant. I had twins, so it's, it's a high-risk pregnancy. had a lot of challenges with my pregnancy. Um, gave birth at uh, 37 and a half weeks, which is really good for, for twins. Um, found out my son um, has autism. That was a process going through. I was a first-time mom of twins. It's, I'm an advanced age, and I now have a child with special needs. And going through the process of getting him diagnosed and everything was also very taxing on me. And I didn't have the support system that I feel that I need, that I should have had or needed to have around me. Didn't have people that really understood the stress that I was going through. And I was always the type of person that did for everybody or I helped people. At least that's my feeling. I was very giving and very helpful. People would come to me for everything. I mean, I've done people's taxes, whatever you name it. They come to me. If I felt like I could do it, I would help them. And that also lasted well into my pregnancy and, and after I feel like I got to a point where I really wasn't taking care of myself. I wasn't looking out for myself. I was definitely not in an environment that was supportive of me and what I was experiencing and what I needed. I felt like it was just a lot more stress than I could take. Uh, my son being autistic had a lot of meltdowns and it was so bad. It was a lot of sensory overload for me. So I was at a point in my life where I was completely overwhelmed, sensory overload. I got to the point where I literally thought I must have dementia or something. I could not remember anything. I was just burnt out. I didn't know what that was. I didn't understand it. Uh, looking back, that's the way I interpret it or perceive it. And 
I needed a break. I needed some help. And I had, as much as I love my family, nobody really understood what I was experiencing, what I was going through. This took a toll on me physically, mentally, emotionally, whatever you want to call it. A friend of mine says to me, you know, you should do something for yourself to make yourself feel better. And I said, okay. And she says, if they're in, you know how us women, we like to look pretty and all that. She says to me, if there is one thing that you would change about yourself, what would you do? And I told her what it was. And she said, well, you should go do that. And I said, okay. So I went and had a consultation with a plastic surgeon and I went and had some surgery on my face. Embarrassing to disclose, but here I go. Okay, so anyway, prior to me having surgery, I went and had a consultation. It's funny how things play out, but I had a bad feeling, if that makes sense. Sure. So at the time, I had a bad feeling, but as we do sometimes, we don't listen to our feelings or gut instincts, right? But at the end of the day, maybe everything was meant to be. But I, I decided after the consultation, I was just going to put it off. I said, okay, that was fine. I got a consultation, whatever. But three months later, I get a call from the office of this surgeon, and they asked if I wanted to, if, they, if I was still interested. And I said, okay, you know what? Just go. Don't be afraid. Just go do it. Maybe it's just my fears, you know. So I moved forward with the surgery. Prior to going into act, the actual surgery, um, of course, I'm still in that mindset where I'm very distraught. My whole life is just, I mean, death would have probably been a huge relief for me, what I was going through at the time. And I had an interaction with the surgeon that was not very comforting to me, let's just say that way. So I went into surgery with this kind of fear in me. And I remember telling the anesthesiologist, the one and only thing I said to him is, please don't let me die. That was it. Wow. I don't know what was happening, but I'm just telling you exactly what I, exper what I experienced. Okay. So after surgery, of course, I wake up, everything's fine. I go to my follow-up appointment. Things thereafter started happening bizarre things, just more uh, metaphysical type things started playing out in my life. Okay. So these weren't physical complications from your surgery. These were other things or were there both? No, I, I think during the process of my healing was the, was really a, the first time in years that I actually took some time out and somebody had to do the stuff I was doing. You know, so they were now able to see kind of what I was experiencing. But because I had to heal, I was kind of confined to my room for a while, to my bed. I had a lot of drinking of water to do, and it was constantly stuff happening. Anyway, it was the first time I was kind of forced to take some time out, if that makes sense. Yeah, and you needed that for your burnout. Yes, I did. But maybe it was a good opportunity, you know, trying to frame it in my head. It was a good opportunity to get me to change some things about my life and how I was handling everything. So I'm going to just go ahead and say what I experienced. Please do. Initially, I heard the words, sort out your truth. That was the first inkling I had that something was happening to me. And this was, where, where were you when you heard these words? You know, I want to say I was in 
the doctor's office. But one of the things that happened after that is time shifted for me. It seemed like I wasn't able to keep track of time or space at some point. And I'll probably get to that a little bit later on. So that's why I kind of had to write down a sequence of events. That's the only way I can really remember it. The next thing I heard was intuition. And again, I don't remember exactly where I was. I think what happened was somehow my psychic senses, my whatever, I was just blown wide open. I was extremely sensitive to everything. Smells, light. For a while, I couldn't go out. Even with sunglasses on, I was hypersensitive to everything. I was picking up on all types of energy. I was picking up on people's feelings. I knew what they were feeling. I knew what they were thinking about me or feeling about me. I just feel like it opened something up in me. Why or how, I don't know. Yeah, so everything was very intense. I was just so hypersensitive to everything. So everything to me seems so intense. Part of the problem was I didn't know what I was going through and I didn't know how to explain it. I didn't know if something happened to me during surgery. I didn't know if it was because of stress and, oh, I finally lost it, you know, kind of feeling. But I knew something was happening with me. Did you have any close family or friends that you could talk to about it? No, not at all. I tried to tell my husband. I tried to explain it to him. And with no fault of his own, he didn't really comprehend what I was trying to to explain to him. It's something that you have to, I feel, you know, maybe it's something that just needs to be experienced um, because the level of sensitivity is nothing like I've ever experienced in my life before that. It, it almost like progressed in, in sensitivity before it um, kind of peaked, I would say. And I feel like the moments that it peaked, so I was at the point, I'm trying to put myself back there, hold on. I was at the point where um, now, not only am I stressed out because of my children and family life, now I've got this other thing going on that I have no idea what's happening. Plus, I'm trying to heal from my surgery, given what happened with the doctor in the office. He didn't seem to have any empathy or compassion for what I was experiencing. I even asked him, did something happen to me during surgery? And he said, no. I didn't feel comfortable going any further with him with it, talking about what I experienced or what I was experiencing. And again, I, I still had this fear inside of me. So I went for several follow-ups of my appoint of my surgery. And when I, again, was in there another time, I was waiting in one of the exam rooms for him to come in. And as I'm sitting there waiting, all of a sudden, and I'm not like panicking or nothing. I don't feel other than, you know, when you're kind of waiting in the room and you can kind of hear what's going on outside, but you're in the room waiting for the doctor to come in. And as I'm sitting there, I see this white ball of light suspended midway in the air. I'm not a type of a person that freaks out or panics easy. So I kind of was looking like, what is going on here? And as I'm looking at it, it starts to open into a, like a rectangle, almost like a window. So I kind of lean into it to see what is what am I looking at? And I see, so it's now open, it's expanded into a window. And I see 
a bunch of what I know now to be orbs, balls of white light flying around everywhere, just kind of like with an agenda of having somewhere to go or somewhere to be, and they're flying around. And as I'm looking, I see one of those balls, and it's coming at me. So it's coming right at towards me. And as it's coming towards me, it starts to it starts to change form and it's changing into the shape of my a friend of mine who had passed a few years prior. And everything was darkness in the background except for those balls of light. As it's taking form and I see who it is, I literally, I don't remember if I said it verbally or I thought it, but I said, where are you? And he, and he looks at me, he's smiling, he's happy. And he looks behind and like, just kind of peeks over his shoulder to show me where he's at and kind of peeks back over to me. And he says, I'm here. You'll like it. It's fun. And then he takes his hand and he extends it out to me as if for, for me to grab his hand. And I start to put my hand out. And as I put my hand out, I kind of pause because I remembered thinking, oh, this is what happens to people when they're dying. So mind you, I have all this other stuff that's been happening to me. And then this happens. I thought, I felt like I was being prepared to die. I start to kind of lean in again and move my hand towards him, kind of like to see what's going to happen. How worse can it get, right? <laughs> so I lean in, I put my hand out. And as I do that, the doctor opens the door as if on cue, opens the door, sees me with my hand extended, and then puts his hand out. He was going to put his hand out to greet me anyway. But he put his hand out, grabbed my hand, and pulled me. The doctor did. The doctor, yeah. Right. But he witnessed or he just saw me, you know, suspended in time, you know, like this. But whatever he saw or whatever caused him to kind of like pull me, jerk me forward. He asked me, is everything okay, the doctor? And of course, because I've tried to talk to him about it before and I wasn't really getting anywhere and I didn't want to tell him what I was witnessing before I knew what was going on, uh, I just said, yep, everything's okay, you know. So he just kind of gave me a look and then he went over and stood where he was going to stand and get his file. That's. I'm going to stop you for a second. That's really unusual. I mean, a doctor might come in and shake your hand, but to actually take your hand and pull you it just seems odd. Yeah, I wish I could read his mind of what he was thinking at that time to where he felt to do that. Can I ask you about this deceased friend that you saw? Yeah, it's a friend that I had, more like a kindred spirit, and he had passed away a couple years prior. And, you know, it was like one of those things that, you know, I don't know if there's a connection, a soul connection or something there that you know, how we say, they say soul contracts and stuff like that. I don't know. I mean, I've never been really able to understand, like to put all that together of why that happened. I didn't see anybody else other than him. I've had my grandmother and other relatives visit in dream time, but that's it, you know. So did you get a real good look at him? 
Did he look the same as shortly before he passed? No, he he looked younger. He looked like he did when he was younger, and but he was all white, so he was not in color. It was just like a light, like a light body, they call it. That's what I saw. Yeah, and he looked very happy. He did not look sick. Um, he did not look... Um, he just looked happy. He was in a good place, you know? So that to me was more of an indication that he was trying to tell me he was okay. And when he said, I'm here, did you, at that time, um, was there something within your brain or spirit that's, that understood where he meant that was? I didn't at the specific moment, but everything after that, it seemed like it was transmitted into me. And I remembered everything. Like I remembered, this is where we come from. This is where we're going back to. I just had a lot of, a lot of universal. So the thing that happened to me was because I, this is my interpretation again, everybody's different, but because my experience was interrupted, maybe, I had a lot of lingering effects of this to where for months after I was still being shown or given knowledge and information about the universe. Like I, I, I'm going to try to explain it. It's hard to explain, but even though I just saw him and the balls, let's say flying around the white orbs flying around, I knew in my heart, soul, and experienced and felt the energy behind all of that. So I felt the energy of what we would call God. And it was enormous. Like that left me with this feeling of like so much love in my heart and the connection to everything. And it showed me how we are all connected. It showed me how we never die, that we continue to go on. I felt the pure love. It was just pure love. And it felt like everything here happened. I, I felt like I had crossed over for one thing. So I had that inclination. Like I felt and knew that I was dying. That's how it felt when I saw the window. I didn't feel like he was just coming to say hi. I felt like I was crossing over. So like the process had begun. It felt like home. It felt like that is where we are supposed to be. That is what we are supposed to feel like. That is the love that we're supposed to feel in this world. And we are so far from it. Everything that we experience here seems so it, first of all, it seemed like it happened a long time ago. It felt like I was on vacation and I just came back home. And my life was only a brief moment in time. When I go on vacation, I love to be gone. And for some reason, and, and this, I'm just trying to see if I, if I can relate to what you're saying, okay? When I come back, still, it's like, there's been all this stress in the journey and stuff, even if it's a wonderful experience. And, but you get home, you sit down on that sofa and just sigh of relief. It's like, 
ah, I'm home and it's wonderful. Was it a little bit like that? It was, a, it's like that multiplied by a million, you know, because right. feel like that's where you belong. And as I think I mentioned earlier, you know, I never felt like I belonged here. I don't feel like I fit in. So catharsis, is that the right word? It just feels like that's where you're supposed to be. It, it's like you finally are home. You finally are where you feel it's bliss. It's perfect. It's There's nothing negative. I didn't experience anything negative. I know other people have may have, but I did not. It was pure love. It was just pure love. It changed me because I was at a point, as I mentioned before in my life, that I was just overwhelmed with a lot of stress, with a lot of uh, what I was experiencing. It actually put me on a healing journey. I started to um, purge a lot of the pain that I was holding inside of me, a lot of trauma that I was that I had experienced in my life. And I felt like I was, for the first time in my life, in the arms of God, like you are being helped. I find it amazing that someone can get so much out of such a brief experience. It's, it's amazing. And like I mentioned, it didn't stop. It wasn't like the window closed and everything stopped. That never left me. Whatever was transmitted into me during that brief interaction stayed within me and it grew. It showed me the universe, how everything is connected. I started to see things. I could see aura. I saw energy. That was. I remember that was one of the first things that I remember saying is I felt like I could see the energy around everything, a chair and in it, everything was animated almost, not like cartoons, but everything had energy. Everything was alive. That's the word I should use. Everything had the same energy in it. So what we had is the same thing my cat has, the chair has, everything was pure love energy, vibrating. I could see it. I could feel it. It was just bliss. It was like nothing I've ever felt in my life. And then I started to go through the process of purging. So I started to heal. It, it put me on a, a journey, I would say. Uh, and maybe this was a gift from my friend or from God or whoever, but it was a gift to me, although very painful at the time. I started to heal. I was the type of person who didn't let anything go. I held on to all the pain, all the suffering, all the bads, all, you know, I never let anything go. I think it was killing me. I started to go through this process where I just cried and cried and purged and purged and purged for probably a few months, maybe longer, because it just sort of gets less and less as time goes by. But it also taught me how to um, heal. It taught me how to protect myself energetically, but it, it definitely put me on that healing process or journey, I call it. It opened up all of my psychic senses, let's say. I've been able to channel so I can tap into like universal energies. I can tap into different energies. I can, I actually started journaling and channeling my journey. So it's been guiding me. There's a 
force, energy, God, whatever you want to call it, that you can tap into and get guidance. What advice do you have for people that are trying to heal like you healed? I would start with meditation. Um, One of the key things that it did was, and almost without my knowing, I started to meditate. And never before in my life had I meditated. My body was going into automatic meditation mode, you know. Meditation is important because it it closes all the external stuff, all the noise around us, and it gets us to go within. We identify too much with what's going on outside, and that's causing us a lot of our pain and suffering. We don't give ourselves time to heal. We're too tapped into everything outside and nothing, not enough on the inside. Like your experience as a child, I've heard from other people that have had some kind of near-death type experience as a child. And usually the the experience that you had with your mother is the experience everybody else has. So if you could talk to all these mothers now who may have that happen to them someday, a child come to them and say, hey, this just happened. What moms, dads, what should you know? I would definitely say listen and take it seriously because it can be traumatic for that child not knowing what they went through. I think it's important for the child to have somebody to speak to about their experience who can help them understand what they're going through or at least find maybe find somebody that can help them work through it. It definitely can be traumatizing that I know. And I think that it's important for anybody, whether it's a child or an adult, to have somebody to speak to. Speak to. And, and also for even adults going through something like this, I like to really speak to the medical professionals out there. A lot of them discount and dismiss these types of experiences. And I think that is such a disservice to people. I think that um, the medical community needs to have some more training and be a little bit open-minded about these types of experiences because they can be traumatizing. It was traumatizing to me going through this, not knowing um, what I experienced. Thank God for Google. At At my age now, I was able to start doing my own research. But it can be unsettling at first. You don't know what's happening to you. It's important that these things are taken seriously and not just dismissed or um, written off as some sort of mental illness or psychosis or something like that. Yeah, some doctors and nurses are getting that training now, but there's still a whole lot more that need it. I think what people need probably the most, whether adult or children, is validation. Yeah. You know, it's not easy for a parent to say, I don't really understand what you're explaining to me that you experienced, but I believe you. Correct. Yeah. Yeah. The validation is important because like myself, I didn't have that validation. So my mother was the most important person in my life. And to seek that validation from my mother and not have it, it kind of leaves you in a limbo. You don't really know what to, you don't know what to do with this now. It's kind of just floating around and and you don't know how to integrate that into your reality. Right. And as an adult, it's not easy either. 
you, I, I wrote down some of the adjectives that you used here. It felt like home, bliss, love, pure love, experiencing that and then coming back to the real world where most of that is missing and it's difficult to keep that with you. That's very difficult for a lot of people to deal with. It's extremely challenging. And I know that in the beginning, after my experience, because I was still very hypersensitive, you really see the polarity between that and what we experience here. And you see how far removed we are as a people from our highest potential being that type of feeling and experience. So instead of moving towards that, we seem to be moving away from it. It's hard to integrate, and it's been six years for me, and I feel like I've kind of lost some of it. It's not really lost. It's just we shut down sometimes because we protect ourselves. So what that experience does is it really opens us up. And when you're that open, it's very painful in this world to be that way in this world. You somewhat need to shut down almost because it's too too much. Too much to take for the soul to take. And we have a word here that we call homesick. Yeah. You know, I think we can also be missing that home that you're talking about. It feels like that is where we we are supposed to be. Yeah. So it's hard to uh, reintegrate back. That's a huge problem. I personally tried to keep it alive as much as I could, and I still continue to, but life has a way of getting you, you know, you need to really have like-minded people around you or people that have had similar experiences that can understand where you're at. Uh, Otherwise, it seems like airy-fairy kind of wishful thinking type mentality. It's more real that side is more real than this is. It felt more alive to me and more real than anything I've ever experienced in my life. That is one of the things I hear over and over and over from experiencers is that right there. It's more real than this is. I don't know how else to explain that though. Yeah, it just, you know, I I always say to people, it's like whatever it is that you're trying to find here, Like we're trying to find this pure love or we're trying to find this bliss or we're trying to find that stuff is on the other side. That's what's there. Um, That's what it feels like. The other thing that I experienced was at one point, because it still had the after effects, I still have these after effects in me. What I experienced was um, sort of like I could see the universe how everything was working, like the inner workings of everything. Does that make sense? Yes, although try to explain that to me. How does the universe work? Tell me about all the inner workings. (laughs) That's a good question. So in my non-sophisticated way, I will explain. So this higher energy seems like it is... Like we, everything here is an expression of that energy. And everything is happening the way it should. Every single thing that happens is supposed to happen exactly that way. 
it almost felt like it was showing me, and I've heard this whole simulation theory, people, I don't really understand, like I've never really looked at all that stuff, but it felt like that is the closest thing that I could relate or describe what I, what I was shown or what I was, and I was shown through seeing. So I could see, I knew what was going to happen. Like I could see, I knew that Eric was going to pick up his glass of water and drink. You know what I mean? So that's exactly how it is. You see that everything is, you see everything at such an intricate level that everything that happens, every little thing to the point of me moving my hand or every single thing happens as if by program. Even the bad things? We consider things bad here, but they're not bad because it's playing out for us to learn. So when we cross back over, I'll give you an example when we have a bad experience, let's say we lose someone, a child, a friend, whoever, when we have a bad experience, let's say it was trauma, say, say it was traumatic, it was a car accident or something, that reality is only in this realm of existence. It's not truth. So when we cross back over, that person, that child is still there. And we're going to see that they're still alive. They're not deceased. And we're going to have the understanding of why this had to happen the way it did. So we're, not, we're no longer going to see it as a bad thing or negative. It could have happened to prevent something else from happening. It could have happened for us to learn a lesson about something. We are going to have... I don't know how to describe it. It's like, you know how, who was that guy in the radio that used to say, and now you know the rest of the story? It was kind of like that. Paul Harvey. Paul Harvey, yeah. So it was, that's what you get. And then you're going to see it for something completely different. Okay. So on the other side, it's not good and bad. It's just a misunderstanding. I call it a misunderstanding because we don't understand it for what it really is. At this point, we don't understand it. Yeah. Right. At this point, we just see murder or pain or abuse. I use the term bad. Yeah. Yeah, to kind of categorize those sorts of things. I hope that doesn't come across as insensitive, and I don't mean that. I don't dismiss any pain that anybody is going through because of these situations. I only say that when we cross over, we see the truth. So our lack of not being able to really see the truth yet is what keeps us in that suffering. Is there anything else that you learned from this whole experience and experiences plural that you want to share with us today? I think overall it has taught me that we as humans really don't know. There's a lot we don't know. And even within our systems of science and technology and everything, we are still way, way far away from truth. Opening our minds a little bit, tapping into other dimensions, frequencies, whatever you want to call it. And, you know, the, the scientific community, for all the good that it has done, there's a lot to be 
there's a lot to be learned still. And um, keeping our minds open to it is important. And the universe wants to work with us. It's trying to communicate with us. It's trying to tell us. It's trying to show us if we would quiet our minds and tap into that energy. I don't know. I think that would be the overall arching lesson that I learned is how beautiful and how alive and how real that of a universe we really do live in and we limit ourselves from by by what we think we know how's it made you feel to talk about this today it feels wonderful thank you very much eric it's been a long time there are a lot of other people holding this in that have not expressed it would you recommend they do the same thing whether it's doesn't have to be talking to me can be talking to a loved one could be going to um, an IONS group where there are other experiencers that are going to listen and believe you. Any advice for them? I would say um, it's taken me six years, but take that first step because it's probably not as bad as what you think it's going to be, <laughs> you know? So yeah, it's definitely um, refreshing and it feels good. Thank you so much for the opportunity. Well, Vicki, I can see the change in your face just between when we started and now. It looks like there's a big weight off your shoulders. It feels like it. Thank you. If you have had a near-death experience and have not previously shared it, maybe now's the time. Reach out to Eric at roundtripdeath.com. Thanks for listening, and remember to share this podcast. To be informed when the next episode goes live, follow us on your podcasting app or click over to roundtripdeath.com and sign up for our email newsletter. Until then, I wish you everything good that you're looking for in this life and the next. Music